0: You are listening to Radio Free Nashville, 107.1 and 103.7 FM LP and streaming live at RadioFreeNashville.org. Welcome to the Veterans for Peace Radio Hour. And I, At this point, I just have to admit, our show is going to reflect the country, which is in chaos. Um, we, I don't know if we have a focus. We'll hear a clip from uh, Professor Richard Wolf. We'll also hear from... Um, part of Michael Moore's uh, Rumble uh, podcast and then Harvey and uh, Tom and I will um, discuss a variety of things but um, I mean I we're we're clearly going to reflect the state of the country which is what next so with that my name is Jim Wolgamuth And I'm here via Zoom with co-hosts and other veterans, Tom Gross and Harvey Bennett. Veterans for Peace is an international organization of military veterans and allies whose collective efforts are to build a culture of peace by using our experiences and lifting our voices for the causes of peace, humanity, equality, and justice. Our network is comprised of over 140 chapters worldwide. Our radio show is on stations across the country. You can get a copy of the show by just going to our Facebook page, search Veterans for Peace Chapter 089. You can also find them in SoundCloud and search the same thing, Veterans for Peace Chapter 089. To find any of our shows, go to bit.ly slash VFP radio. That's bit.ly slash capital VFP, lowercase radio hour. And you can find all of our shows. If you have any question for us, send us a text at 703-403-6135. So, the Veterans for Peace Radio Hour and Radio Free Nashville are supported in part by the Green Party of Tennessee, bringing some common sense into the bipolar world of American politics. Go to greenpartytennessee.org. So on with the show. And, of course, we got to start with the chaos, the chaos that is Trump. So here you go. Um, One of the chaotic things that happened over the last week, and, um, you know, like Tom, like you were saying, he's gonna get out of the hospital and he's gonna be just full of piss and vinegar or baloney and, uh, and and act like the macho, a macho guy, like.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know if you heard the story today, and. It hasn't been completely confirmed, but apparently when he was in the hospital, he was actually considering doing his balcony thing where he would have a Superman suit underneath his suit and rip it off, not just rip off the mask, rip off his suit and he'd be Superman underneath.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I read about that. Yeah, you know... Uh, I think they jumped off the balcony, that would be okay.
0: Yeah. yeah. I it's could fly. the is, oh, <laughs>
1: we're, 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 we're following too much of the personality here. Yeah. This is not really about Trump. What we should be talking about in this election moment is what is the long-term strategy here that the GOP has been pursuing. And some of it has been fleshed out actually verbally this week senator lee actually said this is not about democracy Mm -hmm. and that's the most honest they've been in months they are about trying to take over the government while they have an extreme minority and this is not a new phenomenon in america but now they have the tools to really try to do it with media and the judges and everything else but this is This is a situation where they know they have a smaller and smaller segment of uh, citizenry supporting them. How do they stay in power? And they do it by putting judges in so they can turn down the public. They do it by trying to control the Senate, which is also non-democratic. And if you look at projections by uh, socioeconomic people and political scientists, they're actually saying that possibly in the next 15 years, uh, 70% of electoral college is going to be controlled by 10 or 15% of the population.
0: So that's awful.
1: Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a terrible overlying strategy.
0: Yeah. So that's... And
1: we better start thinking about how we overcome that. And that's way beyond Trump. I mean, when Trump's gone, this is still going to be here, this issue Mm -hmm. of the minority deciding that they know better and they don't need democracy. Right. That was there long before Trump.
2: Oh, yeah. That's that's been the Republican strategy for decades. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) At
0: least back to Newt Gingrich, probably back to Ronald Reagan, maybe back to Nixon.
1: It goes, actually, the first uh, instance of that was back in when Jefferson was elected. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it also happened uh, during Lincoln's time where they uh, they actually made the uh, Republican platform illegal.
0: <laughs> Who's they? So they,
1: were the re- they were the Reconstructionist and the uh, okay. abolitionists.
0: Yeah. Yep. So... So, who made it illegal? The uh, the the Democrats? The, who were the uh, yeah. conservatives? Yeah, because yeah. the Democrats were the conservatives then. Uh, yeah, well, thing
1: topsy turvy. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So, um, but that's
1: something to keep in mind while we're watching the shiny object in the White House. That's
0: right. Well, you know, and we've got three weeks to go, and yeah. we are we are on the edge. We have no idea what this three weeks is going to entail but we know it's going to include something something awful something that that we're not prepared for and you talk about being prepared tom do you think the democrats are prepared for anything any of it
1: well i think they're starting to strategize what they can do in certain environments which Uh is probably a good thing
0: starting well, starting you know, to strategize. Some, of, some of
1: this, I'm sure they've talked about it for months and months, but yeah. it's at the point now where they actually have to have some contingency plans.
0: Yeah. Well, well, the
2: number one front burner issue right now is Supreme Court.
0: Yeah. And the hearings start um, on Monday, October 12th. You're listening to this <laughs> October 15th so they have already been going on and god knows again what might have happened on monday tuesday or wednesday by the time um our all of our listeners are are hearing this so yeah
1: well i could tell you right now uh connie barrett is going to be very tight-lipped about suggesting where her position is that, oh sure. that will be typical gameplay
0: yeah Oh, for sure. And I, I hope the, I hope the Democrats are as ruthless as Harvey was a couple of weeks ago when he was pointing out when he was pointing out um, all the things they should be asking based on uh, encyclicals and Catholic teachings and, and stuff to see how her, her viewpoints coincide with environmentalism. With mm-hmm. humanity, and and, and uh, I heard and today justice.
1: that uh, Senator Harris is going to participate, but from her office, she's not going to go be in the judicial committee hearing room.
0: Okay, all right. So and so this is going to be taking place on site. Um, so at least for some.
1: Well, some people have to be virtual because
0: they've tested positive. Right. So, it's, it's your usual zoo. <laughs> uh, I wish it was the usual zoo. This 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 zoo is like Jurassic, oh, Jurassic I mean, Park. Poss- I know. you know, where where the 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 um We're fighting with the
2: animals to get to see who gets to be inside the cage. Exactly. (laughs)
1: Exactly. It's uh, I think some of what uh, I hope doesn't go on. I hope it's not a theater, you know, where people. I'd like to see them actually bring in a really skilled interrogator.
0: It'd be nice. Yeah, I have no faith. Yeah, I don't have
2: any expectations that that would happen.
0: No. All right, so that's that's the that's the Trump update. Um, the the clip that I found t- was Richard Wolf talking about the failure of capitalism to be able to handle what we've got going so did you either of you have a chance to listen to it
1: yeah i actually heard that i i what i would add to it is one of the reasons obviously capitalism fails on the pandemic is what is the favorite methodology of capitalism over the last oh i would say 12 15 years it's called just in time inventory yeah justin yeah And how how would that possibly work in a pandemic? If you have just what you need for the next few days. Didn't work out well for
2: the PPEs.
1: No. No. It didn't work out for any aspect of the medical community. No. Right. In fact, when this next thing hits this fall, I am just terrified that a bunch of people who've been sacrificing over and over day after day in the hospitals and the clinics, they're just gonna poop out. How much of this can you do?
2: Or die? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, that's right. There was
2: a really heartbreaking story of a nurse in Houston who uh, died recently in her 20s.
0: Yeah, I read it.
2: uh, And she'd been using the same N95 mask and the same PPE for like a month because they had such a shortage. This was an HCA hospital, as in for profit, Na- Nashville yeah. <laughs> HCA headquarters.
0: Yep. Yeah. So, well, let me see if I can find that, and um, we can take a listen to. Here's Richard Wolf on the Tom Hartman program.
3: And Professor Wolf, let's let's talk this week about your book, The System Is or the sickness is the system when capitalism fails to save it from pandemics or itself. How is the form of capitalism that we practice here in the United States itself problematic in in the context of trying to provide for the general welfare, the general health?
4: Well, I think uh, to be blunt, but to be clear it it doesn't work capitalism is not a way of managing public health and we are just now living through a horrific lesson in that truth and let me briefly explain we have in america the companies and the factories and the trained personnel who can make masks and gloves and ventilators and hospital beds everything you need we have it we also know that viruses are a part of life. They've been with the human race from day one. Uh, we had a terrible one 100 years ago. We really know what they can do. So we know we need to have stockpiled across the United States adequate materials like masks and so on because we know viruses are transmitted from one mouth to the, one face to another. We failed to do that. The United States, with 4.5% of the world's people, uh, has 25% of the COVID cases and deaths. What happened? Answer. It wasn't profitable for companies to produce and stockpile masks. There's no secret here, and there's nothing complicated. The reason is simple. If you produce millions of masks, then you have to store them around the country presumably near centers of population you have to monitor those masks in those warehouses do they stay clean do they deteriorate if they deteriorate they have to be replaced if they get uh, unclean they have to be sterilized etc cetera, etc cetera. you have to monitor that and how long do you have to wait well no one knows till the next virus comes that's a very risky proposition it's not very profitable when you think of all the expenses and the unknown wait time so guess what in a capitalist system where profit is the bottom line the companies that could have made these things didn't do it because private profit is not the way you handle uh, the problem of public health the first demand of any economic system would have to seem to me to be to sustain the health of our people otherwise the rest of it really becomes moot it is no longer relevant and this is a system which puts profit first and in this case the profit dictated not to produce what the public health demanded and the government could have stepped in and said, okay, private capitalism really uh, stinks when it comes to public health, so the government, to compensate for the failures of capitalism as an economic system, is going to come in and do it. In other words, the government will pick up the, the risk by holding this stuff in warehouses. It'll pick up the cost of those warehouses and of maintaining. It would do all of that because private capitalism fails. And we know that the government could do this. That's the worst of it, because the government already does. As my book tries to make clear, it's equally unprofitable to produce a missile or a machine gun or a jet fighter or any of the other basics of our our military uh, equipment. And so what happens is private profit would dictate the companies don't make those things don't store them in expensive warehouses because nobody knows when the next war using them will come down the pike it's like a virus you might say so what does the government do it comes in and it buys the jet planes and the tanks and the machine guns as fast as they roll off the assembly line and then at our taxpayer expense it stores it, it stockpiles it, it maintains it. So we know the government could do it, but the government, beholden to this ideology that private profit is the magic road to everything, didn't step in uh, to do in the medical care field what it does as a normal matter of business in the military field. And I think it's a tragic explanation that capitalism left to its own profit driven decision making is a disaster for us.
3: The health wise, yeah. I just read Zeke Emanuel's book, Which Country Has the Best Healthcare. And right. he goes through, uh, you know, South Korea, Taiwan, most of the European countries. I mean, he, he goes through a whole bunch of different countries and examines how their healthcare systems are put together and where they came from. And none of them are based are rooted in capitalism none of them the closest you can get to one that is not a government single-payer system is switzerland where everyone is required to buy health insurance and there are you know something like a hundred health insurance companies in switzerland but they are all also heavily regulated and required to be not for profit corporations so there's no profit motive so i don't see That's where right. capitalism is functioning anywhere in the world in the in the healthcare. Uh, sector, you know, in, in terms of providing health care to people, except in the United States, and it's clearly not functioning here.
4: Yes, and I think that the, that the underlying message here is, is one that American ideology, the dominant ideology in this country, refuses to face. Uh, we have to understand we live in a society which is uh, fundamentalist in economics and i mean that in the sense like fundamentalist in religion it has an idea it is the idea for them that is the absolute truth everything else is to be rejected and the truth, the evangelical notion of economic fundamentalism is that the private sector is always efficient always best always the optimum way to go and this is craziness especially when it's costing us uh 210,000 if my numbers are correct of dead americans uh because this government is unable or unwilling to step in when the private profit capitalist system really messes up and and i'm hoping that the lesson will be learned tragic though it may be to have spent all of these sick people right up to our president to, to teach the lesson
3: but that's what the book tries to expose. Yeah, yeah, and and it's a marvelous uh, you lay it out brilliantly. We're talking with Professor Richard Wolf, his latest book The System Is The Sickness Is The System When Capitalism Fails to Save Us From Pandemics or Itself. And uh, Professor Wolf in the in the minute or so we have left, what are your thoughts on how we transition from a a capitalist profit-driven healthcare system to one that resembles the rest of the developed world?
4: I think we have to use the same basic approach that the rest of the developed world did, which is it's clear what the priority is. Public health, uh, and that's not just in terms of health care, but the quality of our food, uh, what we put in our mouths every day, uh, all of that. Those are the bottom lines. Those are the priorities. And we have an economic system that is evaluated and judged on how well it does On that priority task. And by that calculation, we should see this pandemic. The one good thing that might come out of it is all right, we learned our lesson. Let's get a public health system of the sort that puts public health first and subordinates the private profit of a few uh, to what is necessary for the majority.
3: From your lips to the ears of every American, <laughs> let us hope. Professor Richard wolf the book "The Sick System: Sickness Is the System" when capitalism fails to save us from pandemics or itself.
0: So, if you caught that at the end, we're going to uh, we're going to ask the people with the Confederate flags while they're driving their red pickup trucks to eat broccoli. Um, and that isn't going to fly. They're going to be picking up their guns and say, I'm not eating your damn broccoli.
1: No, you, you can't take away my doctor.
0: <laughs> That's right.
1: That's right. <laughs> However, where, where is their doctor? Yeah, their doctor is busy trying to become a specialist and uh, go into the city. They're not going to take care of, them. you know, there are so many hospitals and clinics that are closed during this pandemic. It's just insane.
0: Yeah,
2: Tennessee's way ahead of the curve on that.
0: Yeah, right. we lead the country, I believe. Uh, we lead the country in- That was
2: before the pandemic.
0: Yeah, that's right. And I think we've also believe, uh, lead the country in um, in medical foreclosures of people losing their homes. So, um, and we're not a big state, six million people. We might be long geographically, but we're not well populated, but hey, we got to lead in something. So but I'm I'm thinking based on what he's saying, what you said, Harvey, about the folks in Michigan, um, all of this stuff is just tied together. Even even the idea of these um, these people uh, wanting to kidnap the uh, the governor of Michigan, it's because she put out edicts to help them stay healthy. Because she was telling them, like a good mom, don't reach up on the stove, it might be hot. And they couldn't stand it. So just the idea of taking care of your neighbor, of uh, I am my brother's keeper, that just incenses these people and leads them towards violence. Violence.
1: I I think they were pretty violent even before she was governor.
0: I think so.
2: Yeah, I think so. And they were around for a long time before she came along.
0: Well, I didn't share it with you guys, but I saw a video um, and I shared it with some of my friends in Pennsylvania where there's a militia. There's a militia in Southwestern Pennsylvania um, that goes on patrols fully armed with camo and body armor and everything. They go on patrol every Saturday morning at seven and they went along with them. It was a German video and they interviewed these people and they interviewed people (laughs) walking through the woods in Southwestern Pennsylvania, looking for the enemy. And the one guy said, well, we've we've got to be totally alert so that we we are not surprised, but we can surprise them. And I'm wondering who them. Uh, the 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 commentator from the German TV uh, network from the video company um, said when she looked at the whole group that was meeting. After they'd gone on their mission. And she said, the one thing that unites them is fear. Is fear. And then she interviewed this lady who said, I'm not a racist, but that Obama guy, he just didn't get it. He just, he didn't understand. There was something wrong with him. And then later on, she said, Trump was a gift from God.
1: Yeah, the Antichrist.
0: <laughs> maybe maybe you
1: know what? what's also very sad I mean these guys obviously don't even understand uh, what militarization of, of the local police have done I mean what do they think they're going to do with the, their AR-15s when tanks and armored vehicles roll in and say no you're not going to take over I, it's well, just the
0: yeah, the, the thing is, whose side are the, and this is a question we've had over the last couple of weeks, whose side are the? is the army going to be on? Whose side is the military going to be on?
1: Well, I could tell you the establishment is not going to let the militia take over a capital.
0: All right, good. It's not
2: going to happen.
0: All right. Good.
2: And Or Tom, did you get my uh, uh... YouTube, my clip on uh, Michael Moore. And it's an incredible uh, it's just an incredible piece. Let me see if I can find it. I think it would be really powerful to share some of that on our show because the more people that hear that, the better.
0: So tell us about it, Harvey, and then tell us where we should look for what he was saying that's important. Well... I have to
2: go back and and uh, look at the timelines, but he pretty much starts out with that the state of Michigan talking about and the, FBI the uh, plot that was foiled by the FBI and of, and goes into his were long history of they were all uh, their knowing these people and these you know interviewing them uh, back like in the late seventies yeah, yeah. Uh, are
0: you playing it on the background?
2: Yeah, I've got some on the background because I'm trying to find Remember the best parts. But yeah, what you'd need to do, I'm afraid, would be just to listen to it and get you know get as much of a. I think you could do kind of a continuous uh, 15 minute clip if you wanted to, or even longer.
0: Yeah, um.
2: <laughs> uh, but uh, it's it's uh, perspective, and you know, and. In, in, uh, really uh in depth
0: yeah it's very timely too
2: local i mean this is literally his neighbors you know from growing up and uh, and he also gives a little explanation of racism the history of racism in michigan how deep that is
0: yeah in
5: 2018 gretchen whitmer was elected governor of michigan along with well The whole top administration of the state was all Republican and was thrown out uh, of office. No Republicans uh, by the people of the state of Michigan decided to vote for all Democrats. So there was a Democratic lieutenant governor who was African-American, a Democratic attorney general who was one who was uh, open-out lesbian, and a woman who was the secretary of state. So there are no white men running the state of Michigan. And that didn't sit well with a lot of white guys in Michigan. It didn't sit well with the President of the United States. And thus began uh, the tug of war. And when the coronavirus hit back in February and March, Trump immediately went after the uh, governor of Michigan, uh, never referring to her by name, always that woman, the lady who's the governor of Michigan, (laughs) the woman, the lady. And it became sort of a joke in Michigan, one that I think we were all very proud of. But then the militias in Michigan did not like her various shutdown orders to try and save people's lives. So they got out their guns and they went to the state capitol in Lansing in April. And we're talking assault weapons here. And just brandished their guns on the lawn outside the Capitol. Then they took over the steps of the Capitol. And then they said, you know, why don't we just go in? And that's what they did. They went in while the legislature and the Senate was in session. And they went in to the gallery, the balcony where the public sits and went in there and stood there lining the balcony with their guns, with their guns out, loaded guns, And the police, I think, were just too afraid to confront them in the chambers, um, where there were also school kids sitting in the balcony who'd been brought there for the day to watch their government in action, now scared to see these men in camouflage with their guns. And Trump, I think the next day, on April 17th, Trump tweeted in all caps, two words. Liberate Michigan, exclamation point. Because he he wanted to throw his support behind all these gun-carrying individuals threatening the governor, the state of Michigan, and the Senate, and the House of Representatives. Well, they were so frightened, they decided, they, the governor and the um, state legislature, decided to close down. They just shut it right down that day, and they didn't reopen or I think until the next week, frightened. And of course, when the bully is able to accomplish his objective, in this case, show the gun and watch the people who believe in democracy shut the thing down out of fear. They accomplished that. And then Trump tweeted at them, congratulating them for, you know, forcing the governor to listen to them because that's how we do it here in the United States of America we force you when we want to force you to listen to us we get out the guns now at the time i was disappointed that the legislature decided to shut down because what do we all know never give in to the bully and yet that's exactly what they did but i and you did not know at the time that the state of Michigan and, and the FBI were already on top of what some of the people in these militia groups were planning to do. They were all, they already had their undercover people at these meetings where they were plotting the kidnapping, what they were going to blow up, police they were going to kill, which was odd because at a number of these rallies, including the one in Lansing, in Michigan, a number of the county sheriffs showed up as demonstrators in uniform. It's very scary. Up where I live in, in uh, Grand Traverse County this past week, the, the county sheriff who works for the county and the county commissioners, I think we've got, we've got about seven. We have seven county commissioners. Four of them took their masks off in protest at this past week's meeting, violating the law. So on Thursday of this week, 13, 12 from Michigan, uh, some from towns and cities near where I live, um, some uh, down near Grand Rapids and Muskegon and some near Lansing and Jackson were all arrested. And they had the tape on them of their plans, how they were surveilling her house, the governor's house they were surveilling the what they, they call in the media her summer home I believe that what they're talking about is that Michigan actually has what's called a summer residence for the governor it's an official state building that sits on Mackinac Island at the top of the lower peninsula there where Lake Michigan and Lake Huron meet not quite sure how they were surveilling that because there were first of all there were no cars allowed on Mackinac Island you can only have horses and bicycles I don't know what the big plan was there boys but uh they said in the, in the criminal complaint, it says that they were going to kidnap her, uh, blow up a bridge nearby. Well, that's the Mackinac Bridge. That's the bridge that goes right past uh, Mackinac Island, connects the two peninsulas in Michigan. I guess throw in a boat and head over to Wisconsin where they were gonna conduct a trial. They were gonna put her on trial like ISIS does and, um, and then uh, mete out her, her punishment. Um, once they find her guilty, punishment implying possibly to execute her. In all my life, I have never heard of such a thing, a, an actual real plot where real explosives have been bought and real meetings and real training was taking place and real surveillance by the terrorists, the domestic terrorists, which has always really been our main uh, terrorism threat, um, whether it's whether it was the Confederate uh, traitors, you know, the ones that have statues to them, uh, all through the South, um, whether it was them, a hundred, uh, you know, fifty, hundred, and seventy years ago, or uh, whether it's been um, mostly, especially since Oklahoma City back in ninety, ninety-five, um, right wingers acting violently to have their voices heard. White people are the scariest and the most dangerous people, according to the FBI, when it comes to domestic terrorism. Um, so, so they were arrested, and uh, and now we'll see what happens. The uh, uh, I followed these uh, groups and these people for a long time as a as a Michigander and as a person who had my own. Uh, newspaper in Michigan it was called the Flint Voice, and then it became the Michigan Voice. I had my own radio show They're called Radio Free Flint, on the local rock station. And um, I've paid attention to the to these uh, guys that look like me for many, many years. I think probably 1979 was the first time I I had on the local guy, who's the grand wizard of the Michigan Ku Klux Klan. I had him on my radio show, I wanted to see what the, what the plan was here. His name was Bob Miles, actually, he actually grew up in um, Morningside Heights uh, by the George Washington Bridge in Manhattan, that's where he grew up. He still had a very thick New York accent when I uh, interviewed him. Um, and their plan was essentially General Motors was starting to lay off a lot of people in the late seventies, that's where all the layoffs began. And uh, they were recruiting. They were recruiting out-of-work auto workers in the hopes of preying upon their despair, their anger, and getting white uh, people to blame others for uh, the sad situation they were in. So I know these guys. I told you back in in April on the podcast when uh, when they all took their guns to the state capitol. I, I sort of jokingly said, I I know these guys, I went to high school with them, you know, somewhat facetiously, this crowd's a bit younger than mine. These guys are mostly in their thirties. Um, sad, that makes it more sad after all this, after all this work, after all this, you know, I've been on top of these guys and what they're up to for a long time. I've had them, as I've said, from my newspaper to my radio show, I've had them on my national TV shows and I've put them in my films because I need people to pay attention to what is going on in this country. And they have been in hog heaven for four years, having Donald Trump in the white house, their leader, their white leader, uh, giving them all the support that they need and they felt, they felt empowered to meet and to train and to plan the kidnapping of a woman. And um, just so you know that they knew that she, she was a woman in the, in the criminal complaint. Um, they won't say these words on TV. I saw the, one of the broadcasters the other day. Oh, well, we can't say these words. Why not? Why don't you say them? Why don't you say what they called her? Cause they're all female related words. You're dealing with white guys who just can't take it anymore. They were ordered around by a black man in the white house for eight years. And now in Michigan, a four-year term by a woman, one of those, one of those angry women, (laughs) nasty women. And I I loved it when she came out and did her press conference that day on Thursday, I I know if we have a a picture of this or you can look it up or whatever. She came out in literally a black Panther vest. Black Panther, the movie, not the political party. Uh, but it really looked like it looked like uh, that. Black Panther sister had somehow made this this coat, this jacket that she wore in front of the TV cameras on Thursday looked very powerful. Which to scared men, it's not good. But Trump, this is on you. This and the other. The other things that you've done and you've said, you've told people to get ready. You've told them to get ready for whatever armed insurrection you want to see. If you lose the election, you've told them to stand, stand back and stand ready. My second amendment people, as you've called them, they're ready. They've been planning this. And my friends, it's not just these 13 in Michigan and it's not just Michigan. I mean, I'm not into scaring people because, listen, there's more of us than there are of them. We are not a nation of gun nuts. 78%, 78% of Americans do not own a gun. The vast majority of us do not participate in this culture, nor do we live our lives in such stupid fear that we need to arm ourselves in this way. But there are 390 million guns in this country. There's only 330 million people. But the Washington Post did an investigative piece a year or so ago, and they said the following, that while 78% do not own a gun in this country, and while there are many, many guns, 300. They said at the time, three at the 360, now the latest numbers, 390, 390 million, um, that 3%, just 3% of the American population owns more than half of all the guns. You understand that? That means just 3% own about 195 million guns. So yes. We have to be ready, not ready with guns, but be ready and let them know that there are far, far, far more of us than there are of them. And it would be ridiculous. And if Trump is out there trying to rile them up, trying to get them to have some sort of armed insurrection, that is an act of treason. And somebody in some official capacity representing the people of the United States of America will need to take action immediately upon any, any sign of Trump trying to create bloodshed in the streets. And we must have our voices heard. It's not just Michigan. But I know what this is. All of us. All of us need to be on guard and demand that those in charge deal deal with those who threaten any American's life.
1: You know, the secondary thing that the militia has in common with the Ku Klux Klan and the brown shirts in Germany is that, you know, they feel they're they're part of uh, the white supremacist uh, ruling class, even though they're not, as opposed to everything else is the other. Yeah. So there's a whole de- dehumanization of people they don't socialize with or understand.
0: Yeah.
2: Michael Moore was talking about being in Michigan. He was trying to explain the environment, the, envir- the uh, climate of racial uh <clears throat> animus up there you know that goes back so far and he was talking about detroit and uh, flint he lived outside flint and he talked about in april of 68 uh he was uh, his family was like most families up there they were pretty devout catholic this was like holy week like like uh, you know in the week before the week of Good Friday or whatever it's like Thursday they're getting out of church and uh, somebody fi- turned on the radio in their car or something and and got out of their car and leaned up and yelled they killed the king and he said and people cheered
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh that's just awful
2: while they're leaving ter- church <laughs>
0: while they're leaving church yeah yeah while they're leaving church so yeah that's that's horrible and you know uh, that was 1968 out in flint outside of detroit and the previous summer i mean the previous summer the police the national guard whoever law enforcement this so-called law enforcement when they don't even know what the law is and they have no clue on proper enforcement but they killed 43 people and i suspect 43 african americans in the streets of detroit mm. you know and yeah <clears throat> that i when you live that close to such a tragedy Or maybe they didn't see it as tragedy. Maybe they just... uh,
2: Well, they called it the the Detroit riots, but uh, we went to Detroit to visit our daughter who works there.
0: Yeah.
2: And we went to the uh, Detroit library, public library, and they have a large display. And they called it the 1967 uprising.
0: Yeah. Not a riot. Not a riot. It's an uprising. And...
2: Did you see the Did you see the uh, the film Detroit? We checked it out. Not yet. It's, it's fairly recent, but uh, it's it's the story of uh, how that all began. That whole uh, uprising. It was a raid on a you know one of these clubs that were not officially licensed and all that. Yeah. black but uh, it focuses on this particular group of cops who. Uh, Uh, raid this place uh, a hotel Uh, trying to think of the name of the hotel now but anyway it was a motel they claimed that snipers had fired from there and they raided the place and and dragged all these people into the hallway and started threatening them because they couldn't find a gun and they knew there was a gun and all this anyway it's horrifying but it's all based on uh, eyewitness accounts Mm-hmm. So, uh, anyway, I, I think it would be uh, painful but uh, but instructive to watch, just to yeah. remind you what the reality was then and still is. That's just, that's the you know the heart, part that just makes your heart sink. Is it
0: what what's changed? Nothing's changed. What's no, changed? Nothing. Nothing changed. And you know, speaking of movies uh mary and i watched a movie on netflix called kill the messenger and it was about gary webb from um, that little paper in california the mercury uh, Mm. who uncovered uncovered Mm. the um the the cia plan to fund the Contra war in Nicaragua mm-hmm. by selling cocaine to poor neighborhoods, starting in Los Angeles, poor black neighborhoods, but across the country. And he, he brought to light the, the, you know, the, the CIA was involved in, in funding the Contras with that, with that money, that and, money yeah. and the, you know, I was thinking, wow, they, this, this part is over pretty quick. Now what? Well, the yeah. p- primary part of the movie was how the government and the media just got after him so bad. How dare this journalist from this little local paper unravel this when the LA Times didn't see it, the New York Times didn't see it, the Washington Post didn't see it. And how after the initial findings where he was on all of these news broadcasts from 60 Minutes to Ted Koppel, that they finally started to say, you know what, we can't let this happen. And so with, with the CIA and the media complicit, they just undermined his story to the point where he was blackballed. He was eliminated from his job. And in 2004, um, he shot himself twice in the head. Mm. Wow. You know, and now understand he was shot twice in the head and they called it suicide.
1: Yeah. That's
0: hard to do. It's hard to do. (laughs) Not, Not when you're in the CIA. Not when you're, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So here, Gary, let me help you with that. So yeah. I mean but it, it it and it was it's just a disaster about the system about the you know the system that we're living in and it's just not sustainable I just can't see how it can mm. go on
2: You know that's that's the whole thing with Trump uh, as horrible as Trump is he hates the CIA <laughs> Yeah You know, I mean, one of the first outrages that Trump did was he went to the CIA and and, uh, didn't show them their respect due them, you know.
0: Oh, that's right. (laughs) That's right.
2: And they showed the stars on the wall for all the, you know, the CIA agents who lost their lives. And all I had to think was which one of those stars is for Osama bin Laden or for (laughs) Saddam Hussein or all these other guys that work
0: for the CIA. That's right. I know which one. That's a good point. That's a good point. So we're gonna hopefully have Biden who will be friends with the CIA again.
2: That's right. Whoopee! <laughs> Did you ever see the movie Being There, Peter yeah. Sellers? Mm-hmm. And uh it's filmed in the Biltmore mansion in, in Asheville. Yeah. And it, it supposedly takes place in Washington. Uh, but I think the whole The amazing effortless ascent of Joe Biden to the Democratic nomination and now with a high probability of ascending to the apex of power in the country effortlessly. He did nothing. (laughs) He did nothing. (laughs) And uh, if you watch uh, Being There, you'll get some kind of idea (laughs) uh, of uh, how something like that can happen. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. So I, I, I recommend it. I don't know if it's available on Netflix or any of these old movie channels because it it came out uh, in the 70s sometime, I think. Yeah. Well, he's, you know, and, and this is promises. I mean, he could say anything to promise, you know, people mm-hmm. promise the moon, right?
0: Yeah.
2: I but, mean, you know, he's never going to do more than he's promised. He's probably going to do less.
0: Yeah. But the thing is, I don't see him being able to promise too much because right away, the Republicans will say, well, look, see the socialist, and then you'll have to come back out and bash Bernie and all of the people who supported Bernie. Now, the Republicans
2: saying, won't have to do anything because the Democrats will do it. Oh, you bet. His top, his top aide, Biden's top guy has already said, don't expect a lot once we're elected because the pantry will be there. Well,
1: I just think on those issues I mentioned, uh, Student loans and uh, daycare—it's impacting, you know, what is going to become and already is the bigger segment of the population in the United States. And so, if they don't do something on it that's significant, I think they're going to get significant pushback from Warren and and certainly the the more liberal wing, because uh, that's the future of the party if they
0: have any future. Yeah. If they have a yeah. future and, and that's the thing about, you know, just to, to, uh, to respond to that, um, they don't need to respond, Tom. They don't need to, we go along. We're going to vote for Biden and we should vote for Biden. All things considered with what's in the white house. But I mean, you look around here, we voted for Cooper 60 yeah. to 40. I mean, they, it, the Democrats are really more worried about uh, controlling the, uh, the progressive wing of the party than the oligarchs from the Republicans. So... You know, they're I mean, recruiting them. Yeah. Oh, I know. I saw an ad during the football game, watching the football game from Cindy McCain. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God.
2: All right. You know, yeah.
0: there's a picture of Joe with John McCain. Okay, oh, that's gonna make all the suburban Karens feel so good. Yeah,
1: yeah. If you if you study a lot of the talking heads from the GOP, the Never Trumpers, and all that, you look at what policies they actually support when they're not babbling about Trump. And it's people who are opposed to abortion rights, a poor uh, uh, They don't believe in climate change. <laughs> they you know they're 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 completely on board with all of the regressive reactionary junk
2: well their big thing their problem with trump is his trade policies and, and you know <clears throat> they want to get back into uh free trade that's the republican dogma U.S., and of course the democrats same way with tpp or nafta <clears throat> so uh
0: so well, dog- there
2: is no there is no free trade.
0: I know we need some karma going over your dogma again. <laughs> uh, so all right, so we've been we've been here for uh, too long. <laughs> <and> I, <laughs> you know, and once we once again we've had a rambling show, uh, which is fine. You know, I'll have to figure out what to. Hey, to it matches the times. It does. It matches the time. It's a rambling. That's a good. You know. Um so what are we going to do for a song? <clears throat> well, Tom said rambling, so Led Zeppelin does have a song. Yeah, Ramble On.
3: of falling all around Time, I was on my way Thanks to you, I'm much obliged